KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In Depth. I'm Tom Rickard. For the first couple of weeks, Montgomery County was sort of the focal point of the coronavirus pandemic in the Delaware Valley. It was initially one of the hardest hit counties in Pennsylvania. In the past month, testing availability has expanded in the county. The social distancing guidelines and business closures that we're all living with now were put in place. But for Jim Ty's mother-in-law, it was a very different experience. She was one of the first people in Montgomery County to contract COVID-19. She went to the hospital on March 14th with textbook symptoms, including pneumonia. But based on the guidelines at the time, she wasn't immediately tested for the virus. She is thankfully out of the hospital now, recovering at home. KW News Radio reporter Jim Melwert talked with Jim Ty about his experience, what it was like to have a family member get the virus and go to the hospital before any of us really knew what this was going to look like. Um, Say your name for me. Uh, My name is Jim Ty. Here's Jim Ty's story. So I I guess, I mean, I'll kind of open it up to you to just, but I I guess kind of, you know, as your your mother-in-law started to realize what was going on, it kind of just started from there, I guess. I mean, I'll go back a little bit to give you a little background. I'm not sure how important it is, but uh, my in-laws did take a trip uh, to Arizona uh, around President's Day like from February 10th, and they came home February 17th, and my mother-in-law actually started not feeling good when, when she was at the end of that trip. But, I mean, it's winter. There's always things going around. We didn't think anything of it. So she, she that week when she came back, uh, was pretty much hanging at the house resting, but then uh, started to feel better and started to go back to, you know, normal normal life. I mean, she, she actually met up with some friends in Atlantic City one day and, you know, hairdresser going out to restaurants. We met her out for dinner uh, on Sunday, March 8th, um, and everyone everyone seemed fine. Nothing unusual, but then uh, she called us on Tuesday and said she started not feeling well again. So that's Tuesday, March, uh, March the 10th. And again, s- symptoms that sound like it could be a cold or it could just be, you know, even flu-like symptoms. But uh, March 10th, of course, our awareness as to what was happening uh, was a little more heightened. So we were a little concerned, but Montgomery County had not had a lot of activity so far at that point, at least to our knowledge, uh, at least what was reported. Uh, but, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, symptoms got a little worse. Fever came, uh, started feeling really lethargic. Uh, and then by Friday, it was having trouble breathing. And by that point, there had been a number of cases reported in Montgomery County. And we had started to hear a lot about what types of symptoms to watch out for. So... It was hard because we were calling doctors on that Wednesday and Thursday and not not getting clear information as to what the best protocol was. Stay home, come to the office. There was some mixed messaging, which, which continued for a while and certainly not blaming anything on the healthcare providers because when she eventually did uh, get told that she should probably go to the hospital, my father-in-law took her to the hospital on Friday the 13th because she really was having some difficulty uh, getting enough oxygen when she was breathing. Uh, she just felt very winded and uh, shortness of breath. So they took her to the hospital um, in the ER at Paoli Hospital, and the staff there was great, gave her great treatment. But uh, she was admitted to the hospital that day, and they, they they ran a flu panel and ran a number of panels to test for various viruses. But 
nothing was coming back. And unfortunately, at that time, it was still early on, the questions that they were asking people at the hospital were, uh, in my opinion, a little outdated. Uh, they were still asking questions such as, had you, you traveled to China or Europe or Italy recently? Have you been in contact with anyone that had been in those areas? Are you aware that you've been in contact with someone who had tested positive? Which, in my opinion, was a tough question since testing was so few and far between. And so the answers to her questions were all no. So therefore, because testing was uh, not widely available, they held off on giving her a test uh, because she didn't qualify under those questions. So she stayed in the hospital for a few days, and, and little by little, uh, you know, the pneumonia set in. Um, she got a little bit worse, but she was getting great treatment, so we felt very happy that, that, that she had uh, a lot of care. Now, of course, no one could else could be in the hospital once she was admitted uh, so it was a little difficult getting information. The doctors did what they could to communicate uh, with my father-in-law, and also my wife was able to, to speak to them uh, while they were in the room with my mother-in-law because she was not in a position to be able to translate uh, the updates that she was getting from the doctors because she just really felt like she couldn't talk. And she said she didn't have enough energy to talk, didn't have enough energy to text. All she wanted to do was sleep. Well, at that time, that that sounded odd to us, but now in hindsight, that's something that everyone uh, who who has come down with, uh, a lot of people have come down with those symptoms, seems to um, to say the same thing. So by Monday, either because some of the rules changed or because testing became more available, this is Monday the 16th, or because they had ruled everything else out, uh, they were able to give her a COVID-19 test and uh, it was actually, we got the results back rather quickly. We were surprised that they came back positive. So at that point, we, we kind of thought that. But the good news is that she was getting treatment. A couple of days went by, and eventually they, they said, um, you know, we think you'll be well enough to go home. And that that finally did happen that Friday. But even when, when she left, uh, the information she was getting about, you know, what the protocol was uh, from the hospital, and again, not, not blaming them because they did an amazing job, but the, just the misinformation, what we're hearing on TV from politicians and what we're hearing from health officials and what we're hearing from the doctors that she's interacting with, we're getting some different information about what the protocol was and what she should do if she, if she feels like she gets worse, stay home or, or come back. Uh, so we were nervous about her leaving the hospital because we felt once she left, it would be hard to go back if we needed to. But nonetheless, uh, she came home that Friday uh, and has been doing reasonably well since, so that's that's a great thing. Now, when it comes to the the uh, contact tracing that that they did for her, once she got the positive result, we were surprised to learn that they really didn't go back as far as we had thought they would. Now, we're not certainly experts by any means, uh, and it could have been that uh, they were a little overwhelmed or not. But they they only asked her to go back to a few days before she had been in the hospital and, and actually said, you know, two days back before she started to have her fever reach uh, the certain point. And she really hadn't been anywhere because, like I said, after that night she had dinner with us on March 8th, when she started having symptoms, she stayed home. She had no reason to go anywhere. But they only contacted the health department for the county, only contacted my father-in-law um, and asked him about his symptoms. And my mother-in-law told him, she's like, I just had dinner with my daughter, her, her husband, and her three kids. Uh, but they felt that that was uh, not close enough contact. As it turns out, they ruled uh, my mother-in-law was the first uh, communal transmission because they couldn't trace it back to any known source because she couldn't pinpoint exactly where she had been. Um, 
like I said, she had been prior to coming down with the symptoms out to dinner with us, maybe another restaurant with some friends, a couple of casinos, hairdresser, or some shopping. Nothing out of the ordinary, but we couldn't pinpoint an exact location, so they ruled it a communal transmission. So she came home. Um, difficulty was that they, they said she was probably going to need oxygen, but they, they could only supply her with what they called a, a travel supply, which lasted a couple hours. So we called a medical supply company and was able to get oxygen delivered to her house. So that worked out well, but the day that my father-in-law picked her up at the hospital, he started having very similar symptoms to what she complained about early on. And then even though he was in contact with her several times when she was positive, and even though he was living with her when she came home from the hospital, um, he was not eligible to receive a test because he did not have a fever at that point. Uh, eventually, when he did get a fever a few days later, he did go to the uh, Montgomery County Testing Center at the uh, Temple Ambler campus. Now, his results came back negative, which we were surprised, but also relieved. But at the same time, his symptoms got worse. Uh, his doctor on the phone advised him that he should call an ambulance uh, just a couple of days ago when he woke up and had difficulty breathing. So he went to the hospital. Uh, they checked all his vitals, and, and um, the doctors there advised him that it's most likely that he had the virus, but uh, even though he got the negative results back, but that there could be an opportunity for there to be false negatives if they perhaps they didn't get a good reading. Um, but they said there's no point giving him a test now, and there's no point for him staying in the hospital. They just advised him to go home uh, and rest and, and you know keep an eye on his symptoms, and if they got worse, then perhaps he would have to come back. But uh, they didn't feel his symptoms were serious enough at that time, which probably right. Um, and he's been relatively stable since he's been home. Uh, but overall, I mean, we're very happy with, with the treatment. The most difficult part was, again, the, the, the misinformation that was out there. Um, and again, no, no fault of any one individual. I just feel that overall, as um, you know, our, our, our doctors, our hospitals, our, our providers, and then also the, the health department and some of the politicians, just not everyone was on the same page giving advice and guidance as to what the protocol was. All we were looking to do is, you know, follow whatever guidance was recommended. And, and oftentimes it was conflicting. Right. And I guess, I guess part of that is, and, and they've been saying, you know, things are changing so quickly where, you know, the CDC is saying one thing, politicians are saying another thing, healthcare providers are doing another thing because that's just all they can do. So I guess you guys kind of saw that. And you guys, like you mentioned, were kind of on the front end, front edge of all of this too. So it really wasn't, I mean, I guess you, you guys really had to learn as you went. Yes, that is true. My mom was the first case in Upper Providence Township in Montgomery County, and she was somewhere between 30 and 34 for, for overall uh, for the county. So it was very early on. And, and I agree. I mean, the the information was coming so fast and so furious. I'm not surprised that there was uh, some some miscommunication or misinformation. But at the same time, as you're going through that, um, it, it can be a little alarming and frustrating. And, and most difficult was the fact that that misinformation was happening when we weren't at the hospital normally. When you have a family member who's ill, especially perhaps a, an older parent, um, you know, it's typical that you know, a child can be in the room, talk to the doctors, find out what, you know, what they're observing, what this, you know, what the protocol is and, and what the diagnosis is. And that was a lot, it was very difficult because we weren't getting that type of timely information. So it was, it was, it was literally a waiting game uh, and then try to watch information 
on TV or from the news, and when you heard it was conflicting, it certainly raised a lot of alarms on our side. But uh, the good news for us, very fortunately, is that they seem to be okay and recovering, uh, which is great for folks in their 70s. You know, there there can be uh, some more serious effects, but they seem to be doing well, although it is still a waiting game because the pneumonia that, that comes with this uh, supposedly lingers quite a long time, especially for some of our uh, older patients. So it's something that we'll, we're still keeping an eye on regularly and trying to maintain their care from a distance. Obviously, they don't want us in their home uh, because of uh, our young children, but uh, they certainly need assistance. So we've been trying to do everything we can for them without actually making contact with them. You mentioned, was it March 8th that you that you guys had dinner together? Yes, we had dinner at a local restaurant here in College Hill area on March 8th. So we're now uh, three weeks from then, that Wednesday, the 11th, when she started to have symptoms, I found out about it. I was already at work. I worked down in Center City, but that was the last day I went to work. The kids came home from school. School was canceled, and then she had developed a fever, and that was the day before she went to the hospital. We, we started quarantining ourselves. We had no more interaction with her. We did see my father-in-law briefly that weekend um, just to get, help him get some stuff to the hospital, but it was very limited interaction. So we were really counting the days since the last time we saw him, which which has now been, it was two weeks ago yesterday. So um, yesterday was a big day for us. We have no symptoms in our house, but um, still certainly very concerned during that time period. With all of this and not being in the hospital, clearly the information is so much more challenging, but just the emotional end of that too. I mean, that had to be so hard to be in this unknown and then also not being able to just hold somebody's hand or, or you know, just the pure human contact. Yes, that was a challenging part, especially for my wife. Obviously, it's it's her mother, um, my wife's sister, um, and they were in constant contact trying to do everything they can. And then when my mother-in-law was saying things like, I just don't feel like talking, I can't talk right now, uh, the worst the worst things go through your mind. Um, you know, you know, she's alone. Uh, what if what if she is more serious than than it's being led on to be? What if you know, we're not going to be able to see her again. What if uh, we can't talk to her again? Um, and it's just it's just worrisome. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of Americans that are going through very similar cases. Uh, that being said, when it's happening to you, it certainly is. It, it's a little surreal um, because you're watching this unfold on TV. And especially in our area, you know, we had a lot of great neighbors helping us out, but they were all very interested in what was happening because we were one of the few few families that had, you know, actually someone very close to us that, that had been infected at that time. So um, we had great support, uh, but at the same time, it was, it was very difficult and challenging, as you mentioned. So on March 20th, she got out of the hospital? Your, your mother-in-law got out of the hospital? Uh, yes, she came out of the hospital on March 20th, yes. Okay, and so she's still, she's still recovering at home, and it's, so she's not completely 100%, but you say... Like kind of how do you where where is she now I guess I think the worst is definitely over we're not we're not gonna uh, I guess overly celebrate yet she still uses the oxygen she still is winded uh, but we think from a COVID standpoint the the worst is over for her but still every day we call her and ask how she's doing she says she feels a little bit better but still not a hundred percent not herself uh, and it may take a little bit longer for for her to get back to that level. And of course, there's a concern at the time because my father-in-law came down with the symptoms, and the two of them were both not doing very well and not able really to to take care of each other. But uh, it seems like she's a little more uh, able now to 
assist him, which is great because that was the hard part is that we, we really wanted to be there to help him, but we couldn't be. And so your, your father-in-law following your mother-in-law's timeline from where she got, where she first started feeling something and then where it got bad, is he kind of past that point now? Is it, from what I've heard and tell me if I'm, if, 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 if I'm wrong, it, it almost seems like there's a couple of days and then it kind of ramps up, right? Where like, is that kind of how it works? Yeah, their timelines followed each other pretty closely. She had a couple of days of just what I'll say mild symptoms that could have been just chalked up to you know any type of winter illness, a cold or a flu, and then by like the third or fourth day, that's when it really started to get serious. He he was fine, being that he had dropped her off at the hospital on March 13th, and you know it was five or six days later. He was saying, "I don't have any symptoms at all." And we were feeling pretty good about that uh, because, like you said, he wasn't allowed back to the hospital to visit her. So he had sort of been self-quarantining himself, too. Uh, but then on that seventh day, since the last time he saw her, that's when his symptoms started. And the same thing, two or three days of just not feeling right. And then uh, on the third day, the fever came. And then after a couple of days of just a fever, the breathing problem started Um but just like she, you know, after being in the hospital for about a week, he's probably still another day or two away from probably his worst to be seven days away. So that's if it follows the same pattern, we, we think he's on the curve coming back. And he says he has felt a little bit better, although his standard is is uh, still difficult to hear. I mean, like I said, he's he's more active and vibrant. One day he said he slept 20 hours out of 24 and then yesterday when he told us at all, I slept uh, 16, 18 hours yesterday. I'm doing much better. So it's a relative better because from from what it sounds like, at least for him, it just knocks all the energy out of you. And what he said was, you know, he takes a shower and he feels like he's completely out of breath and he just has to lay down. He doesn't feel better until he, you know, rests for a while and takes you know, a short nap and wakes up and he feels like he has a little bit of energy left. We did get him an oxygen, uh, blood oxygen monitor, if you will. I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, and he said after he takes a shower, his oxygen levels drop to a, a level that's out of the ordinary. And then after he wakes up, they're back to normal. So it's just doing any activity just still still really wins him and knocks him out. And I think he has a couple more days of that before before he's going to say he's, he's bouncing back. But uh, you're right, it is a little different for each one, but they followed very similar similar patterns. The only difference was that he... Uh, didn't develop the pneumonia that she did, uh, at least not yet anyway. Like I said, when he got the chest x-rays, nothing showed up there, which was fortunate. So he was able to fight that aspect off. Uh, but everything else was very similar timeline. What did you guys kind of learn through this? Because I think we're all, you know, every one hour, you just kind of worried about our parents. And um, is, is there anything that you kind of learned that, you, that you've that you been telling people, telling your friends or telling other others just to kind of, you know, how to, like any best practices or anything that you learned to kind of help others sure. navigate this? Sure. And and unfortunately, uh, some of the stuff we learned is probably outdated at this point So because it does change so rapidly. But um, first and, and foremost, it's it's to, to know the signs um, and what to look for. And, and I will say that that has been relatively consistent, um, what we've heard from other patients and people are sharing things through the media outlets and on the news, uh, while every case is different, of course, and different folks have different uh, existing, pre-existing health conditions that can certainly complicate it. But for the average case, you hear a lot of the same symptoms. So um, first and foremost, the number one thing we learned is to take 
take this seriously when when she first had it it was from a society standpoint it was there was still a lot of um disbelief as to how real and how close to home this was uh, and i remember when we got the alert the one night when the nba canceled you know or postponed the season and the next day the kids came home from school there was still a lot of folks even in our own neighborhood that the very next day we had kids ringing our doorbell wanting to play with with our kids and my wife and I were scratching our heads and saying, well, the whole purpose of not being in school is to, to have this social distancing. What should we do? We don't want to be one of the, you know, thought of as a crazy person saying our kids, you know, aren't going to let be allowed to play with your kids. So we struggled with that for a day. But the, as soon as um, my mother-in-law went to the hospital and my wife posted that, our doorbell stopped ringing, which eliminated that uh, decision for us. But it really was, it was hard. And I, and I see it and I see a lot more people taking it seriously now. Uh, especially in our area, but I still think that there's uh, facets of the community out there that that don't really understand that that this is real uh, and it can create uh, problems, especially for those who are older or have pre-existing health conditions. And it it you know it doesn't discriminate. Um, I also have a former classmate who's about my age. We went to college at the same time. Him and his entire family came down with it. He ended up passing away last. Uh, just last Thursday or Friday. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It, this, I think this thing was here very much earlier than we, we knew it was here and was probably spreading. Um, and you just can't be too careful. So if you don't feel well, that would be my number one advice. Make sure you're, you're, you're staying home. Um, because if, if you do get ill, you're going to be going to the hospital alone. If your kids get ill, it's very likely they may be having to go to the hospital alone. So, uh, when you have all the officials out there telling you to practice social distancing, you know, it's, I, I hope that everyone's doing it. I know we did it for two straight weeks before real. We did real quarantining, not not social distancing, um, and it was hard. But it was even more hard when we saw a lot of other folks, even in our area, not not practicing it. So that would be the one thing. But as far as the information is concerned, is to is to keep asking questions. Um, and to, to do as much re- research as you can, which sometimes people tell you don't read too much because if you keep Googling things, you're only going to scare yourself. But in in a situation like this, I, f- I feel like the only thing that did keep, keep us sane was getting education. We, we talked to family friends and, and uh, family members who were in the medical profession and tried to get some guidance and advice the best we could, and we, we did everything we could to to try to get information from the hospital when mother all was there, but um, you have to be patient, um, especially with the providers who are on the front line because they're just as overwhelmed uh, as anybody in this situation. So we were very grateful for the people that took care of my mother-in-law, but at the same time, we, we had to be very, very uh, tactical to try to facilitate getting the information, organizing phone calls and having my mother-in-law dial her cell phone uh, we instructed her every single time a doctor or nurse came into the hospital or to her room and and was about to give her an update or give her information she always asked to please wait let me call either my husband or my daughter uh one of her two daughters and that that was the best way for us to get information uh and the only way really because otherwise we we wouldn't have gotten it so uh, those those types of things were were things that we learned um but right now it's yeah, at the time, I would have, if you would ask me the same question two weeks ago, I would have said that the testing isn't happening. The folks on the TV saying we we have tests, more testing's happening. It it wasn't happening, at least not early on. 
my mother-in-law had every symptom that was textbook for this, um, but because she didn't, you know, know anyone who was had been to China or Italy, she wasn't eligible for a test. I mean, that that was ludicrous to us, and that was a very frustrating part. Now, again, for us, we wanted to know, but at the time, we thought it was important to know whether or not she tested positive for our own sanity because we interacted with her and my father-in-law's sanity, and this way we would try to to stop spreading it. But at the same time, when you find out that you have it, there's really not a treatment right now for it. It's, I mean, she was really treated for pneumonia, so um, the fact that when my father-in-law started to have these symptoms, his advice from his doctor was just to stay home and rest. That is that is the best advice unless your symptoms get serious. And if you don't have somebody uh, or you have someone in your family that lives alone, you have to figure out a way to monitor them. You got to just keep watching, watching your friends and neighbors and especially folks that are that are living alone to make sure that they're doing well. Great. I, I again, really appreciate you talking to me. Sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of helpful stuff in there. Again, you know, it's just it. I mean, I can only imagine what you must have been going through when, well, she doesn't, she doesn't have any contact with anybody from Italy or China, so there's nothing we can do. I mean, that must have just been. <laughs> that was frustrating. That was frustrating because we had plenty of food. We have neighbors helping us out, picking stuff up for us if we needed to. So everyone's healthy. So it's, we have a lot to be grateful for, but there were certainly some days where you know, your mind's playing tricks on you and you start, you start to, you let start me actually, to let your mind run away with you. Let, let me ask you about Cause that's, that's actually really interesting because, you know, even I have, seasonal allergies so you know i started to, and but like you said every cough and 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 that's me you know without having the 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 contact with a loved one you know that's one step away so tell me about that that those 14 days of of every little thing and and worried about the kids especially yeah and that 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 really was the big thing is you just you just don't know right and especially this time of year I mean, we have colds with young kids going to school, colds and sniffles going through, and the way the weather had been changing the past few weeks, my seasonal allergies certainly kicked up. Um, and, you, you, you you know, the first couple of days, we were very much focused on, obviously, my mother-in-law's well-being, but then when she stabilized, you just start to get a little relaxed and start thinking, okay, all right, it's, she has it, or she most likely has it. We'll get the test results back, and we'll see how this goes. Uh, but then... When she gets the test result back and it's positive, then you start to worry. You're, you're, you're stuck in the house for 14 days. All right, what if we now have it? Because we had, we had some exposure to her. Uh, what if my father-in-law has it? If we have it, do our kids have it? You know, what if our kids have to go to the hospital and, and you know, we're not permitted to go into the hospital with them? Like, how is that going to work? Uh, and when you're left uh, to your imagination, when you really, you know, there's only so much happening during this 14-day quarantine. There's only so many times you can distract yourself. It certainly lets your mind uh, run away and you start thinking through those scenarios. But we we had a couple of those moments. We got over it, and, and the good news is that we we survived the 14 days. And uh, at the time, we were saying, oh, it's going to be great when these 14 days are over. You know, we'll be back to some sort of normalcy. But when I, when I broke the news to my kids that uh, despite the 14 days being over, the world really is on pretty much shutdown and no one's really allowed to interact with each other, and you can't go see your cousins or your friends. Uh, besides doing it on FaceTime, they were they were quite disappointed. <laughs> they thought after the 14 days was up, things were going to be normal. And certainly, uh, I don't know what normal is right now, but it's it's we're going to have a little bit more time before we can get back to any state of normalcy. That's it for this episode of KYW In Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area. 
Or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or hear on the radio will affect you personally, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickard, and we'll have another episode out soon. 